They came within cry of the Moranon, and unfurled the banner, and blew upon their trumpets, and the heralds stood out and sent their voices up over the battlement of Mordor. Come forth, they cried. Let the lord of the black land come forth. Justice shall be done upon him, for wrongfully he has made war upon Gondor and wrested its lands. Therefore the king of Gondor demands that he should atone for his evils and depart then forever. Come forth. There was a long silence, and from a wall and a gate no cry or sound was heard in answer. But Sauron had already laid his plans, and he had a mind first to play these mice cruelly before he struck to kill. So it was that even as the captains were about to turn away, the silence was broken suddenly. There came a long rolling of great drums like thunder in the mountains, and then a braying of horns that shook the very stones and stunned men's ears. And thereupon the door of the black gate was thrown open with a great clang, and out of it there came an embassy from the dark tower. The Waylesser Inklings podcast attempts to pay homage to the great writers, thinkers, and philosophers of the 20th century known as the Inklings, and to try to inspire a love for reading literature and finding the good, the true, and the beautiful in the written word. Welcome back to the Way Lesser Inklings podcast. My name is Josh Rice. I'm a co-host, and here again with me is my brother, Jake. Say hey, Jake. Hey. We are concluding book five of The Return of the King today, and uh, it is the chapter that's called The Black Gate Opens. It's a it's a pretty memorable chapter. It's also, in some ways, as a as a uh, last chapter. I think it it kind of sir it's, it hits differently because, in in our opinion, it does less than a lot of the other chapters of this book. But I think what it does it does extremely memorably. And so, mm-hmm. I think that's that's probably we're going to look a lot at that. We're going to look at why this thing is so memorable and looking a little deeper at really focusing on. I think one event in this chapter, we'll, we'll get a little lead up, but I think we're going to spend all of our time or the vast majority on it, on the one thing that happens here. And that's the gate opening, right? Mm-hmm. So right. why don't you get us there? <laughs> there, yeah. This will be quick too, I think, won't it? I think so. Um, so we left off where the, in the last debate, uh, the council of the Kings has decided to assault the black gate and call, um, call Sauron forth into battle, essentially diverting his eye away from his own place. Uh, That's the plan anyway. And so they assemble the armies in a couple of days. Um, Mary at the beginning is awake and about, um, but he's to be left behind because he's not recovered enough for the journey or for the battle. And so there's, I think there's a little bit to say about that. Uh, And then the armies travel Basically, like there's a big chunk is them traveling across, and and really what's going on in that is just the quietness of the land. And so as they go, they do some things to fortify their own defenses. They burn bridges. They uh, set men to re-establish their place in Osgiliath. Uh, some of the some of the places that had belonged to Gondor that had been taken, they're attempting to re-establish and. In some ways, I think give men work to do, but also can complete the ruse or complete the the idea that the king is reestablishing his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so then there's a lot of marching uh, across the land as they approach the black gate. They um, there's there's a little bit of shuffle with the men. We want to talk about that a little bit, mm-hmm. and then they come to the black gate and. We have a scene where there's a parlay between um, the the lords of Gondor and the mouth of Sauron, and uh, that's probably where we're going to park for a good 80 percent of this <laughs> <Yep>. one. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then, um, as we know, it, there, there's no terms, so the battle ensues, and Sauron wastes no time in springing in the trap mm-hmm. um, and unleashes all of Mordor instantly. Um, when when the terms are rejected Hmm. and that's really where we leave off and i think something that you know too is obviously we've read this many times but as a first time reader you if you've never seen the movies which is this point is probably not likely Mm -hmm. but you know reading this early on like the frodo story is very unresolved right (laughs) at this point Yeah, he's he's so. just been it, yeah because it, it's been ten chapters now and a lot like so we haven't addressed that in a couple of months. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Frodo Frodo basically was 
left for dead and taken into the tower by a bunch of mm-hmm. orcs and that's that's where we are and now we get a glimpse of something here and it doesn't look good mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. it doesn't look good at all um right so yeah that's good and it, it is an interesting this story is so interesting because of the way he splits it that way right mm-hmm. that there there are times where that builds a lot of tension because you really have no idea what's been going on <laughs> you know yeah. and then we and then we catch back up I only had, we had talked, you know, 70, 80% being Mouth of Sauron. And I think as we start here, there's only a couple of things I had before we we get to the gate. Um, one of them is Mary. And mm-hmm. Mary is not able to go because Aragorn says that he's just not ready. Aragorn also says that to not be ashamed, if you do know more in this war, you have already earned great honor. Um, he says it's time for Pippin to go and represent the Shire and have his chance, essentially. I think it's interesting that it says Mary, to his shame, was not to go with them. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I have some thoughts. What What do you make of that? Why, why would that be to Mary's shame, in your opinion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think it's his... First, it's his personal shame. It's not a public shame. Mm-hmm. There's... You know, the, the king himself has expressed as much. And, you know, Mary won renown for his deeds on the Pelennor field. Uh, and so it is, I think, I think it's the, the his shame because it's twofold. I think it's his, um, the maturity that he's grown into to be a part of the army, to um, pursue the field of battle. And then I think it's to his shame to not be with his friends. Mm. Yeah. Is what I see there. Yeah, I think that's really good. I think it also is, as we've looked, you know, we, we've we gotten the story of Rohan pretty well, where Eowyn keeps wanting to go and win renown. Mary, at this point, has won renown. Like, he's, he, if, if the good guys win, Mary's going to be in the history books as a hero of the Battle of Pelennor Fields. Um, maybe the greatest hero of the, like, but definitely up there. And, and it's interesting that, the shame is that because I think this is truly a story about hobbits. I think they're the main characters, and I and, and it's easy for us to miss that. And that's why I think it's so powerful. The the theme of this book being appearances are deceiving over and over again, because it's easy to forget even now that Mary is this great hero, and the reason he's a great hero is because the hobbits have this toughness, this grit that when it when it develops and blooms into courage, it keeps growing and growing and growing. And so what's happened here is that kind of by slow pressure and being in these situations, I think Mary has just become a warrior where there's no talk of him feeling like a bag anymore, right? Like this is the talk of like, I should be able to go because I'm a, I'm a soldier. I'm, I'm one of the men of Rohan and Aragorn Mm -hmm. has to basically tell him as the King, like, you just can't, and it's not because you're a bag, and it's not because you can't ride a horse, right? It's because you're, you're, you know, you need to have healing. Mm-hmm. It's, it could kill you just the, just the journey, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's a hugely different thing than what's been going on with Mary and Pippin early in the story, and, mm-hmm. and I think I think that's the. You know, honestly, I missed some of that, and that's why I really wanted you to go first and examine it, because as I hear it, it kind of jars things loose. And I think it's easy to forget the thread of where he's been bringing Mary and Pippin in this book, and he's moved them a lot. Right. Yeah, his his very presence here is a disobeyed order, not because of the king's unwillingness for him to fight, but because of the king, you know, King Theoden's unwillingness to spare a horse or a man. Mm -hmm. To let him ride, yeah, because 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 the time was so pressing, mm-hmm. and and um, I think we said back then that that was that was one evidence that Theoden was a lesser king than Aragorn because Aragorn would have most certainly brought Mary with him, because mm-hmm. because Mary like Aragorn Aragorn much like Gandalf understands greatly the courage and the value of the hobbits. He he understands that they're some of his most loyal and at this point some of his most courageous. <laughs> you know, friends and, and people that mm-hmm. need to be there. And I, I thought that was interesting in a chapter like this, that that happens. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that. I think the only other thing I had kind of before they get on the road was 
that you know Virgil's left, mm-hmm. and he's kind of comforting Mary, just like him and Pippin had started up a friendship. And Baragond has to go out and lead because he can't stay in the city with a guard because his case hasn't been tried. So basically, he has to march out of the city. Yeah. And Virgil just has this this faith, right? He he mm-hmm. says, "Don't fear; they'll come back. The men of Minas Tirith will never be overcome." Now they have the Lord Elfstone and Baragond of the bar of the guard too. And I like that mm-hmm. because like, unlike, you know, we looked at a great, this is a greater kingdom and now it has its great King back. When we looked early in the book at Rohan and, and back in, I think book three, there was a real despair in Rohan until the King came out of his dotage. But here you see that Gondor has this strength because it's not only about the king, it's also about this this idea of the common guardsman's mm-hmm. valor as seen through his son. You mm-hmm. know, and I think there's this family right. bond in there that we're seeing. And right. and that's a powerful thing. Well, and I kinda I kind of I, it's funny, I had forgotten that I marked this. So I, I had a mark and I I had sort of two strands of thought. One is one is the hope of youth, right? The optimism mm-hmm. of the young, the young lad, um, which is something that should be trained in, you know, that's, that's a, that's a, a virtue. I think that the other thing, I kind of saw it more as like, we have the King and my dad, mm-hmm. right? That's right. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's like, look, if my dad's out there, anything, you know, he can do anything. And I see, I think it, it speaks to the strength of, um, you know, Baragon's leadership in his home that, you know, that he's, you know, he's raised a son that trusts and loves him yeah, <laughs> and believes in, and believes in the work that he has to do. <laughs> yeah. I think that's really good. Um, so as they, as they get on the road, I guess there had been an idea that maybe they should assault minus Morgul. Um, Gandalf basically says no way. Cause that's the way Frodo went. So we don't mm-hmm. want to draw any attention right there. Um, and, and so they, they start out, and they're blowing trumpets everywhere, and there's nothing on the road, right? And they get to they get to Minas Morgul, and they see something that we're going to see a lot of on the journey, and that's that there's nothing going on there, right? They don't see anybody. They don't see anything. Um, and so mm-hmm. they burn the bridge down, <laughs> you know, and, mm-hmm. and set some fires, you know, and, and basically announce, like, we're taking this back. Yeah. They replace the statue. That's right. That's right. And mm-hmm. that's a man. I'm glad you caught that. That's a that's a thing that he set in motion a long time ago. So that would have been book four, towards mm-hmm. the end. He's right. just he is like uh, he's always thinking about the world in those symbols, and he yep. man he does connect those dots. Yeah, yeah, and and replacing you know it's again like it's the legacy thing right the the statues were hewn down. Um, to disparage the past, you know, the king, mm-hmm. the king of old, and you know, they've as as they the ability they have, right? They they're not there to do stonework, but just putting the head back and cleaning it, like they cleaned it and put it back, and right. I think that's again, it's that claim of lordship over the land, but also you know, also reinstituting the. Um, the honor for the past, the honor for the fallen. Hmm. Yeah, it, it occurs to me, they had been blowing the horns and saying the lords of Gondor are come, and Immerhill, I think, made a wise comment, and he says, from now on, let's not say the lords of Gondor, let's say the King Elisar. And, mm-hmm. and his idea is that that's going to give the enemy more thought, and I think he's right about that. I think I think mm-hmm. there's some wisdom as they're rolling on. Um I don't know. There's, there's probably. I know you had one thing. There's only one more thing I got on the road, and I think okay. it comes before yours. And that is that okay. when they have the little Sauron throws together a little bit of an ambush ish thing that that the 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 Gondor crowd had seen it coming, like they had scouted out. So they basically just squashed it. Right? It, it didn't mm-hmm. do anything. And Aragorn says this thing. He says it is but a feint. And its chief purpose, I deem, was rather to draw us on by false guess of our enemy's weakness than to do us much hurt yet. So 
this appearances are deceiving thing comes back into play. But but I, mm-hmm. I actually see something deeper here the more I thought about it. And that is that the enemy also, he just, he thinks that everybody's like him. I know we've said that before. But mm-hmm. so he's shown the vast power of Mordor to Denethor, right? And mm-hmm. I think what he believes is that Denethor would have just never told anybody that, right? Because he wanted to lord all the power himself. And this is one last favor. Like, you know, Denethor did it in despair, but he also was telling the wise, like, we're doomed here. Like, Mm -hmm. he's... His, his like he sent this great army out, and there's more than that still in Mordor. We just can't beat him, and and I right. think Sauron doesn't even see like this faint is just a waste, right? It doesn't right. accomplish anything because not for one second do the lords of Gondor think that there's not strength in Mordor, right? And I think it is because right. he's just so insular. Like he he would never tell, he would never tell anyone around him like what his real plans are. And I think he right. thinks that they work the same way. I just yeah. I thought that was interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that. Then I think we get to, to your last thing yeah. before the mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Mine, that mine is really a character of Aragorn um, piece. So as they kind of, as they've passed the crossroads, they're getting close to the gate at this point. And Aragorn looks over the men and sees, you know, men who have looks of despair on their face, and, and he essentially he he releases them hmm. um, from the service, um, but he does it. Uh, you know, I think he's you know it says he releases them, um, but he doesn't have wrath. You know, he does it out of mercy. Uh, and so I'll read this last line from that section. Then some, being shamed by his mercy, overcame their fear and went on. And the others took new hope, hearing of a manful deed within their measure that they could turn to, and they departed. And so, since many men had already been left at the crossroads, it was with less than six thousands that the captains of the West came at last to challenge the Black Gate and the might of Mordor. Hmm. And so, you know, I think it's that, it's it's a just king here, that by, or a merciful king, really, who, right, these, these men are committed to... Um, to the service uh, of the lords, and really, in 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 any military, basically in history, it's like if you deserted, that's treason, and you're, you know, you're killed. Mm. And so, you know, and so what Aragorn does is he has pity on them, but he also gives them a task to restore their honor, right? To go, um to go take a smaller outpost, right? So they're not released from battle. They're released from the total doom of the Black Gate. And so, right, and so he he restores their honor um, to them by giving them a task that they can do instead of just sending them, you know, away shamed or or executed. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Or, yeah, that or was making it. them come and tuck tail and run when the... When the battle comes mm-hmm. and ruin the line, right? Yeah, they're, men right. like that are dangerous when mm-hmm. it comes to the to the battle. Mm-hmm. So now yep. we're at the gate, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think I think what we're going to do is probably have fun. This is actually one I have been waiting for a long time because because I like this character and I don't know why. And so <laughs> I think we're going to examine that. Um, so they, they come up to the gate, and they, they call out, Let the Lord of the Black Land come forth. Justice shall be done upon him, for wrongfully he has made war upon Gondor and wrested its lands. Therefore the king of Gondor demands that he should atone for his evils and depart them forever. Come forth. Um, doesn't look like anything's going to happen. And then the, the Black Gate clangs open, and out walks a embassy... And in the front of it, we we don't have to wait long for this strange character. It says, at his head, there rode a tall and evil shape, mounted upon a black horse, if horse it was. For it was huge and hideous, and its face was a frightful mask, more like a skull than a living head. And in the sockets of its eyes and in its nostrils, there burned a flame. 
So the rider was all in black, and black was his lofty helm. He was no ringwraith, but a living man, lieutenant of the Tower of Baradur. And his name is remembered in no tale, for he himself had forgotten it. <laughs> hmm. So, I don't know what first impression. And this, this one is like, I don't know, it's kind of a head slapper for me that I think of it. Of all the times I've read this before, I probably was fast reading and just kind of put a mental picture of a how of a horse probably with a face shield on, but I don't think that's it. I think this is like a hell beast. Mm-hmm. It's like a demonic necromancy yeah. horse. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's the juxtaposition, like the spiritual being is being ridden on by a physical man, kind of in the way that the ring race were riding on physical horses. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and it's, it's reversed because if you remember the witch King had, flames in his eyes right but in this Mm -hmm. case the horse has those those flaming eyes that kind of indicate that he's a spirit i don't know so first impression is we're about to be dealing dealing with you know in an embassy or an emissary of satan essentially Mm -hmm. just a liar and a murderer Mm -hmm. right right yeah and someone who's so deep in his darkness that he can't remember his own name yeah, what do you th- what would, do you think? Which would also Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, which I think like I think when you think of that, you in some sense like even Smeagol didn't forget his own name. Mm-hmm. Um or he or he did, you know, Gollum did forget it for a while. I think it was kind of brought back to him, but um it it suggests to me like it suggests lack of any kind of relationship probably working alone, right? Working in his dark sorcery uh, alone, you know, in some sense it, you know, I'm, I'm reading Frankenstein right now and it, it sort of makes you think of, of, of him, right? You know, of Dr. Frankenstein, you know, isolated in his room, working on this disgusting, you know, right. act of, of dark magic. Yeah. It's like, it's like this guy has been doing this for countless years, yeah, I mean, it says it says that he had man. There's so much here in this in this paragraph, right? That he forgot his name, but he was a black Numenorean who worshipped Sauron, being enamored of evil knowledge, um, and he entered the service of the Dark Tower when it first rose again. So at this point, that would be, I mean, that would be like at least seventy or eighty years ago, mm-hmm. right? When it rose again, because. Because Sauron had been in Dol Guldur as the necromancer hiding, and when the White Council mm-hmm. banished him from there, nerd alert, right? When the White Council mm-hmm. banished him, he, that's when he started to rebuild the tower. And this guy was right. there, like it, it drew him in immediately. And and I thought of that name being remembered is because he worships so thoroughly and he's so enamored that his name is is basically meaningless. It doesn't matter who he is. Because what he is mm. is he's the mouth of Sauron, and what a what a name right. for a creature. Basically, right. what he's going to be is the one that just spews out blasphemy and vile stuff. Because every time we get mm-hmm. communication of Mordor, right, we get scribbles like the, you know, there's scribbles and vandalism, you know, kind of like how BLM did stuff in 2020, mm-hmm. and then but mm-hmm. there's also just this uncouth like kind of croaking tongue but it's interesting that Tolkien is going to write the mouth of Sauron is sounding a lot like the witch king except mm-hmm. just much less kingly right yeah. <laughs> right yeah and it, yeah and I, I think the name thing too uh, it just kind of came loose is that something that's been on my mind because of a, another movie I've watched recently is the power of a name mm-hmm. how um, when when you lose your name there's a part like there's a part of you that's lost that you've lost you've lost your, um, you've lost your will. And so kind of to your point, like he's lost his name because he's a total slave to Sauron. Mm-hmm. And as a result, like he's, he, he can only do the bidding of Sauron. Right. Yeah. It says that he knew much of the mind of Sauron and he was more cruel than any orc. So to know mm-hmm. Sauron is to be cruel, right? It's to be, yep. it's to be full of malice. Um, and he he's basically the only notable one. There's you know there's some soldiery behind him with the mm-hmm. black flag with the red eye on it. Um, and and the first thing he does 
is mm-hmm. he looks them up and down and he laughs. And I don't think this is the kind of Frodo Sam laugh or mm-hmm. th- this is not that kind of laugh. I think this is your mocking, you know, just evil, insolent laugh. Goliath when David walks up to the front. Very good. Yeah, I think that's it. And I think that's a really good connection because Aragorn, we've already seen acting like David whenever he gave the men who were having a hard time, he gave them an out and mm-hmm. and let them keep their honor, which now we kind of have, yeah, we, we in a way have David against Goliath here <laughs> that's going to come on. It's, it, it does... It, it does change a little bit because this would be more like David who's already killed his 10,000s in the mind of right. the enemy, right? This isn't David the shepherd boy, right? right? They they know who Aragorn is, and they are afraid of him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but he does laugh, and the first thing he says is insolent, right? And I think I think this line, I remembered this. I've, I could have quoted it before we read this chapter. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone in this route with authority to treat with me, he asked, or indeed with wit to understand me, not thou at least, he mocked, turning to Aragorn with scorn. It needs more to make a king than a piece of elvish glass or a rabble such as this. Why, any brigand of the hills can show as good a following. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, projection, right? It, it's, yeah. it, it harkens back to the way Saruman, I think, talked about, you know, a, a bunch of brigands lying in the ru- mud with their brats mm-hmm. yeah, this kind of idea he, and mm-hmm. he just he just scorns all kinds of things that are that are noble and and virtuous and i think what we get right away as we see this is what does a mouth of evil do well a mouth of evil mocks <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and that's that's yep. essentially all he does in this whole encounter is he mocks and he yep. lies yeah yeah, I think it's instructive for us, um, you know, as we continue to go through is to think about, right? Like this is like what Tolkien is writing is a representation of evil. Mm-hmm. And so like what he does, every act that he takes is representative to us of the way evil thinks and desires to behave, mm. you know? And, and we can see that like, this is obviously, I think I'm, I'm not intending to do a thought to Rome with just here, but I think it's, you know, it's in my mind of like the idea is that these things can exist in our own hearts, but they're, they're being pushed on, you know, on a massive scale here, like the, you know, because it's, um, it's full, it's full bore. Like there's no restraints in it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I look, <laughs> Definitely not thought to Rome with, but it does occur to me. It does occur to me here that this is the way leftists talk in America, mm-hmm. right? They they mock the right, you know. They they mock virtues that built Western civilization. They talk about you mm-hmm. know the stupidity of believing in a god or believing in you know a holy scripture or anything like that. Um, and and I think there are distinctions. I think there are righteous times and ways to mock but and so a lot of times you know i've I've heard wilson doug wilson say i think it's one of the better insights that doug wilson makes biblically is that it's not the verb that matters it's the object most of the time and so what Mm -hmm. makes what makes this mocking so evil is not that mocking itself is evil it's the direct object of the mocking right and so what what the mouth of sauron is directly mocking is the rightful king of a good people, mm-hmm. the the heirloom of a house that's been brought from generation to generation and kept preserved through great hardship. And he's mocking a, an army that just defeated his master's first assault and saved the city. Mm-hmm. And so in right. every case, the direct object is not is not a thing that can rightfully be mocked. Because I mm-hmm. always want to reserve the right to mock stupidity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think yeah. it's an effective thing to do. And so yeah. what we have to be sure to do is look at the direct object. right? And that's what makes him so vile here. Because he also is full of hot air. Because I think the next the next paragraph we start to see that there's no... Mm-hmm. It's, it's all, you know, bark and no bite. Or what is, what's yeah. the thing about... It's all 
tail and no cattle or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> all hat and yeah, no cattle. Yeah, that's it. All hat and no cattle. I had the wrong end. <laughs> <laughs> wrong end. <laughs> wrong end of the cattle there or the farmer yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You I messed that messed up, up. <laughs> yeah. I could quote that line from Malthusara, but I could not quote that very common idiom. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, do you want to yeah. deal with this next part? Because yeah. I think you've been on this yeah. for a while. I'll, I'll I'll read this one. So yeah, after after the mocking of Aragorn, Aragorn is um, the tech. the The book says Aragorn said not an answer, but he took the other's eye and held it, and for a moment they strove thus. But soon, though Aragorn did not uh, did not stir nor move hand to weapon, the other quailed and gave back as if menaced with a blow. I am a herald and ambassador and may not be assailed, he cried. <laughs> this is really fascinating because <laughs> seemingly nothing happens. Mm-hmm. They just look at each other. And so, but the mouth of Sauron responds as though he's taken a blow. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think the house of the healing is what clues us into potentially what's going on here is that, that this is a battle in the spirit world or in this invisible realm or, or whatever, you know, whatever we call it. Um, then we know Aragorn has entered into that place to call Faramir and Eowyn out to call Mary out of their, um, their sleep or their, um, I don't know, you could call it a coma under the power of the black breath. Mm. You know, and he calls them, calls them back home. In this case, this this sorcerer who deals in in death and darkness, you know, has you know, and perhaps for the first time, you know, been assaulted in that, or even been encountered in that plane. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of you know how the encounter plays out, but it's clearly not happening right in front of our faces. Mm-hmm. So, so that would suggest that, like. And he his response would say that he's taken right that he's taken a hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think that what happened is that there's some kind of interaction in the spirit realm. I think we've gotten the clues. We got Aragorn, like you said, in the House of Healing. But I think we've also got this sorcerer who's ridden up on what's almost certainly some kind of ethereal spirit beast. And so mm-hmm. he has, even though he's not a ring wraith he still has insight into this spiritual realm that Tolkien's written about at times. And I, and I think the, probably the reason why is because even though he hasn't been given a ring of power, like he is completely under the thumb of Sauron. And he's also obviously dealt with necromancy right? because mm-hmm. he, the sorcery of Sauron is all about, the black arts is about, you know, raising up the dead and doing crazy stuff like that and, and trying to pollute nature you know, by making new mm-hmm. fell beasts and crazy stuff like that. I think I think that's where he's right. at. And Aragorn just, you know, meets him where he lives, and who knows what happens in that encounter. But he obviously didn't right. like it and got the worst of it, and so he recoils. Right. And the rest of them are like, but there's also this physical world. We're not, you know, it's this thing where the physical matters, right? Yeah. It's not merely a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual battle, but there's also a physical battle and so Gandalf tells him like you're nothing happened right right there hasn't been any harm done but unless your master has come to new wisdom you will be in great peril with all the rest of his servants he also mm-hmm. says that where such laws hold right like you can't assault an ambassador well Gandalf says it's also the custom for ambassadors to use less insolence mm-hmm. right in other words would Sauron uphold this law, and I think this law of peace with the ambassador is a pretty sacred one, mm-hmm. right? Like if you walk out to a parley and you just chop somebody's head off, like that is that is mm-hmm. like subhuman behavior. That's that's thought mm-hmm. of as being beyond the pale for really anybody. There's there's an understanding that if you can't talk peace, then a lot of people are going to die needlessly, and even even the evil one respects the parley to some extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that still holds today. It's like a lot of you're still going to usually be able to have some negotiations, right? And so then he right. turns on Gandalf, right? And he says, "Yeah." He and he he goes into this. <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Maybe we'll just call it Black Numenorean speech, where it gets all stilted. And he says, mm-hmm. "So then thou art the spokesman, old Greybeard. 
Have we not heard of thee at wiles, and of thy wanderings, ever hatching plots and mischief at a safe distance? But this time thou hast stuck out thy nose too far, Master Gandalf, and thou shalt see what comes to him who sets his foolish webs before the feet of Sauron the Great. I have tokens that I was bidden to show thee, to thee in especial, if thou shouldst dare to come. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Interesting. We had we had pegged this like this was that one contradiction from way back. Remember where Gandalf said, or mm-hmm. somebody said that that uh, Sauron never used his own name and his servants don't use his name. Right. And this one did, and we tried to let the professor off the hook. And I don't know if you can yeah. or not, but there is something about what we do see here is to help the professor a little bit. Is I, I think in some ways the mouth of Sauron almost deems himself to, like there's really, he doesn't know where he ends and Sauron begins. I think there is some element mm-hmm. to that. Like I think the mouth of Sauron speaks exactly the way Sauron would. So in some mm-hmm. sense he is his servant, but he's also just saying right. the words of Sauron. Mm-hmm. So if Sauron ever yeah. calls himself Sauron, then maybe there's no inconsistency here. Right. Because I think there's yeah. not, I, I do think there's a lot of literary clues here to bring us to the point where there's just no difference between what, between what he's saying and what Sauron would be saying if he was there himself. Right. Yeah. I mean, he speaks he speaks very similarly to the the way the Witch King mm-hmm. has spoken every time he he has spoken, you know, and and really like there's really not any other clues because the orcs don't talk at all like this. Right. <laughs> No, no. This, and I think it's a clue too that Tolkien had to pointedly say, like, but he wasn't a ring wraith because mm-hmm. it right. seems like he's a ring wraith, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It really does. Yeah. He has to tell us he's not, and he's doing something with that. And I, I think what he's doing is showing that black-hearted men become like his greatest slaves, right? They're they're his most powerful slaves and his most powerful mm-hmm. servants because something about you know that. You know, men like because the whole death thing gets messed up, right? Because this guy's obviously old and has the long lived thing of a Numenorean. Yeah. And it's just unnatural. Like the whole thing's yeah. unnatural. And, right. And there he is. Yeah. And so he's going to gloat and he brings out the tokens, which is yeah. what the the mithril coat it's and the gray cloak with an the elven cloak and, a, and Sam's sword that right. got left in the battle with Shelob. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, Pippin cries out. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, and it's an interesting assemblage because you know the cloak and the the cloak and the mithril coat would have both been Frodo's, mm-hmm. but the sword being Sam's, and it's it's also it's interesting because of again where we're at in the story, we we don't know the the full plight of those two. Mm-hmm. Um, then we, we do know that Sam took sting. And so we know why those things would all be together, but it's interesting because there's articles from both of them, but you'd think, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a tell, you know, to, to the heroes here, because like, if it was all Sam stuff, you would have sting, you would have the file of Galadriel, um, you know, there'd be. And of course, you know, I, the ring would <laughs> like. I don't even think the mouth of Sauron would come out if Sauron had the ring here. No, probably not. He would because because there would be no like this this trap. He would just come out and just smoke them. Essentially, yeah. there's nothing to talk right. about. It's that little yeah. bit of doubt. Yeah, he's trying to because because really with all of his insolence and all of his mocking. What he's really trying to do is fish, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying he's trying to get some information because Sauron doesn't know why these hobbits were there, right? <laughs> and so and he's yeah. mad about it, and and so the mouth right. of Sauron is trying to play a poker game here and figure out what's going on, and and the way that he he just I don't know like I do think this is where he shines right because he goes on this little diatribe. He starts to insult mm-hmm. them. What use you find in these little imps, I cannot guess, but to send them as spies into Mordor is beyond even your accustomed folly. I, I read that line as being the wisdom of Sauron to know he really does know that Gandalf had to have been accused by of folly by trusting hobbits from pretty much everyone around, and that's true. Like Pretty much mm-hmm. everybody that's been doubtful of Gandalf's designs has been like, it's insane that you're trusting these hobbits. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so the mouth of yeah. Sonic, like he hits right on it. Um, mm-hmm. And then Gandalf, Gandalf does what Gandalf does, right? Like, and I don't know, this could be a thought to with. It's it, it always is so good. He says, I do not wish to deny these tokens. Indeed, I know them all and all their history. And despite your scorn, foul mouth of Sauron, you cannot say as much, but why do you bring them here? So it's kind of like, mm-hmm. go fish, right? Yeah. You're striking out here. Yeah. And he, yeah. And it's also interesting, I think the way he plays, like, they're, <laughs> it's like this newfound knowledge when you first encounter a subject and you know virtually nothing, but you know the su- you know the subject exists. Mm-hmm. So you think you know something about it. Because mm-hmm. I, I, this is the way I feel about this next part where, so he, uh, Oh shoot! I just lost my place. Um, oh, he says, uh, "A spy from the little rat land of the Shire." <laughs> Nay, do not start. We know it well. <laughs> like they didn't know it well. They didn't even know <laughs> it existed until Gollum, you know, was captured and and he, and gave them the information. It's like, and then to suggest that because they can identify a hobbit that they know much about the shire and how it operates mm-hmm. is laughable. Yeah, they don't know anything about the shire and th- and that betrays right. his his insolence is in thinking like calling him imps, calling it a mm-hmm. rat land. Like he doesn't understand Sauron could never imagine that the greatest threat to him this whole thing has been the simple courage and resilience of hobbits. Like they right. can do the thing that Sauron can't conceive of being done. Right, like Bilbo, I, I've. It's funny, like even as we do this, I'm starting to. Charlotte begged me to read Lord of the Rings to them at bedtime, mm-hmm. so I started. And I read chapter one last night of book one, and it strikes me that like it is. It's an extremely important thing that happens that Bilbo gave the ring to Frodo. Mm-hmm. Right, that that's a thing. Right. That's a thing that no one else in this story can conceive of happening. Right, yeah. that Sauron, in all of his wildest calculations, the reason he doesn't think in any world that the ring would be going into Mordor is because he cannot conceive of any creature being able to do what the hobbits are capable of doing. And so mm-hmm. it is. He says he says he knows them, he knows them, but he doesn't know anything about them. It, right. And this is, in some ways, it's the climax of appearances can be deceiving. Yeah. Right, he judges right. them. Based on their stature and their purely country. on the stature, yeah, purely, and yet the ring was still in the Shire when Sauron mm-hmm. sent his greatest servants into the Shire, and the Shire thwarted him, mm-hmm. and he's so proud that he can't even see that that happened. It's right. really crazy when you when you think about yeah. it that way, because since they didn't represent a military threat to him, right. he really sees no other threats. Right, and that's the height yeah. of folly. Yeah, <laughs> even while uh, accusing uh, Gandalf has great yeah. wisdom, great yeah. wisdom, and yeah. and Sauron has wisdom, but he's also blind, and it's it's amazing. Yeah. I think Tolkien has to be playing with that that the eye is blind, but yeah. the eye that tries to see everything doesn't see the most crucial thing, mm-hmm. like the one thing it needs to see, it can't see. Right. <laughs> It's, right. it's an amazing thing. It is. But Gandalf knows what he's talking thing. about, right? Like, And that's why yeah. this doesn't work at all, is because Gandalf, like, by the mouth of Sauron trying to insult here and do this, he gives it away mm-hmm. to Gandalf that, hey, not all hope's gone. Like, something, something's off about this, right? Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so then he goes through and, you know, threatens the pain to the captured hobbit. Um you know, and and basically says such will be his fate uh, unless you accept the term. You know, my lord's terms. Mm. And so, and so I think we move there. Uh, like we, uh, so Gandalf says to name the terms, and he basically says that you know no one from Gondor can come across the river. Mm-hmm. That anyone west of the Anduin can't bear arms and will pay tributary mm-hmm. to Mordor and will be governed by, you know, a ruler stationed at, uh, at Isengard and that they will rebuild Isengard, even though it's not his. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So yeah. basically, you give the whole world away. Right. For these two spies. For well, and, and they don't even suggest that there's two spies. Like they just say spies. Like, mm-hmm. you know. So, like that's even that's even in doubt. Yeah, and I think once again on the theme of the appearances, it, while this is going on, it says that. They saw the, the, those nearby saw the anguish in Gandalf's face. Now he seemed an old and wizened man, crushed, defeated at last. They did not doubt that he would accept. Um. So that's not what happens, right? Yeah. Because Gandalf knows that to accept those terms is to accept the death of anything that's good ever. There's mm-hmm. no hope at all. He says this is much to demand for the delivery of one servant. Yeah, so Gandalf doesn't give anything away. Yeah, you were right about that. Mm-hmm. Good call. That your master should receive in exchange what he must else fight many a war to gain. Or has the field of Gondor destroyed his hope in war so that he falls to haggling? <laughs> and if indeed we rated this prisoner so high, what surety have we that Sauron, the base master of treachery, will keep his part? Where is this prisoner? Let him be brought forth and yielded to us, and then we will consider these demands. <laughs> So yeah. this this assaults the mouth, right? Because yeah. the thing that best disarms lies is just straight to the point truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what are you haggling yeah. about here? Like, if your position's mm-hmm. so good, and how can we trust... Yeah. I, I love this. The base master of treachery. Mm-hmm. Uncouth, unsophisticated liar, Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's just the lust of yeah. the eyes, essentially. Yeah, right. Yeah, and and to make and to call it yeah, to I think to call out it's like to make demands based on an unjust war that he begun, <laughs> right? You know, and like I think to, I think Gandalf rightly boils it down. It's like you lost the battle. <laughs> We're the ones who are assaulting the gate mm-hmm. because your army was turned away. So basically, you fall into haggling. <laughs> <laughs> That is appropriate mockery. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's good mockery because because these demands are insane and it's a fishing mm-hmm. expedition. Like right. there's there's no way that they can accept these things. And it's interesting because <laughs> the the mouth like it's the projection, right? So he mocks, oh. he lies, and then he projects. Do not bandy words in your insolence with the mouth of Sauron. He cried, surety you crave, Sauron gives none. If you sue for his clemency, you must first do his bidding. These are his terms. Take them or leave them. Yeah. So basically, he says, prove that you are prove that you can do what you, you offer. Uh-huh. And he screams like a smashed cat. Right. Yeah. How dare yeah. you speak to me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, screams it. Bandy words right. in your insolence. That's all he's been doing the whole time. Uh-huh. Right, yeah, and this I think is yeah. this you know this concludes negotiations in an artful way, right. and you right. know the way it should have been done in the movie, yeah. right? Where yeah. again, it's that thing where it's just not understanding yep. the real subtext that yep. Gandalf says these will take. He casts aside his cloak, and a white light shone forth like a sword in that black place. Before his mm-hmm. upraised hand, the foul messenger recoiled. And Gandalf coming seized and took from him the tokens, coat, cloak, and sword. These we'll take in mm-hmm. memory of our friend, he cried. But as for your terms, we reject them utterly. Get you mm-hmm. gone, for your embassy is over, and death is near to you. We did not come here to waste words in treating with Sauron, faithless and accursed, still less with one of his slaves. Be gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Was there something you were wanting to talk about with the kind of like the bullying? thing here yeah it's this idea that that what what the mouth of sauron does i'm i'm so impressed i'm I'm impressed with our time first of all like here we go but i'm also i'm also impressed with that tolkien sees this this anatomy like i thought this was a postmodern thing that happened and i thought it was a, a product of like kind of the victim mentality like the the highest social point in our society is being a victim. Now that's what gets you the most cred. But I think Tolkien saw this and maybe it's because he was buddies with C.S. Lewis who definitely saw a lot of this stuff. But Tolkien writes in here, like, so the mouth of Sauron acts wrongly. 
this whole parlay, right? Like he's he's insulting, he's lying, he's being sneaky, he's making threats, all this kind of stuff. And then when Gandalf tells him the truth in a straightforward way, he just cries. Like he <laughs> it's how mm-hmm. how can you do that to me? You know, how can you treat me that way? Don't bandy those words with me. And it, it strikes me that that's the way that's the way people that's the way bullies act, right? Is that bullies make all the aggressive moves. They come at you and they insult you or they, you know, take your lunch money and then they cry whenever you hit them in the nose. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you would have never got hit in the nose if you weren't being a jerk. Like it's mm-hmm. it's the response and and our politics are just so full of this, right? It's like Everything we do is so full of this. It's like, how dare you talk to me that way? Well, it's like I wouldn't have talked to you that way if you hadn't been lying, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, all Gandalf does here is cut through the nonsense and just tell the truth. Yeah. We know Sauron's a liar, and you're a liar, so we're not going to do yeah. any of that because you wouldn't even do the small thing of, like, just showing us the prisoner. Like, we're going to mm-hmm. give away the whole world on the trust that maybe you have this prisoner that you described as a rat or an imp out of the rat land like what are you talking about and it's like the recoil it says he laughs no more he was his face was twisted with amazement and anger to the likeness of some wild beast as it crouches on its prey is smitten on the muzzle with a stinging rod rage filled him and his mouth slavered and shapeless sounds of fury came struggling strangling from his throat it's it's amazing like Mm -hmm. all that happened was Gandalf just had enough of his nonsense and right. unveils himself. And now he sees that he really is in danger yeah. because he's put himself there. All he had to do yeah. was come out the gate, say, we've got prisoners. Here's the tokens of them. If you want yeah. them back, here's our terms. Right. But he, he can't control himself. And so it, and we see it as the reader. He would have been much more effective had he just told the truth. I mean, you don't have to mm-hmm. tell the whole truth. You can leave a little bit of it back. It's war and tactics, right? Yeah. right? He doesn't have to detail who it is they've got because the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is they don't know who they've got because they don't right. have anybody. <laughs> <laughs> they got nothing. <laughs> but we don't know that at this point, and the, yeah. and the captains of Gondor definitely don't know that. So I think it's yeah. just interesting that Tolkien was on to that. Like, he's just right on to wait. He's so good with temptation, but he's also so good with the way evil acts and talks. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think the I think the mouth of Sauron is memorable because he really is just he's magnetic in a way, yeah. and we can relate. Like we know we've dealt with people like this before. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I don't I don't really have any more to say on him. Yeah. I mean, so basically, the gate opens, the battle ensues, mm-hmm. and really all we're given on the battle is that a massive force came out. Um, that, uh, you know, and that, uh, Baragon was stunned or hit by a troll mm-hmm. and that Pippin stabbed the troll mm-hmm. and killed it, but the troll fell on him mm-hmm. and he goes, he goes dark and he hears the eagles are coming. The eagles are coming for one moment more. Pippin's thought hovered Bilbo, it said, mm-hmm. but no, that came in his tale long, long ago. This is my tale, and it is ended now. Goodbye. <laughs> and, and the light goes out. And that is just like Bilbo's experience in the Battle of the Five Armies, is that yep. he gets knocked out, so so Pippin's out under this troll. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, I, and you know he kills this giant war troll and saves yeah. Baragon's life. And it's it's one right. of those things where like these hobbits are warriors now. right? There was, yep. there was no no undue fear or anything like that. And I think the other comment to make is that, that it may be the death of the Lords of Gondor, but the trick worked. Sauron pulled all of his armies up to the gate. He -hmm. put all his eggs in this basket. And he, I think he really does believe that Aragorn has the ring and is declaring his lordship over Middle-earth, and so he's going to strike while the iron's hot, and he's going to strike it fast. And and so everything that Gandalf said was going to happen, happened. And I think maybe that's kind of the theme of this chapter, is that 
you know, the wisdom, mm-hmm. the wisdom of goodness is always better than the wisdom of evil and wickedness because mm-hmm. the wisdom of evil is always about self aggrandizement. And that's what, that's what the mouth of Sauron was about. He, he wanted yep. glory for himself. And ultimately what Sauron wants is glory for himself. And when you contrast that, what Aragorn wants is he wants to be the king that serves his people and makes a better life and, and brings back the glory of Gondor, which was a time of wisdom and learning and art and beauty. And Sauron wants none of that. And mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, that's where we take our leave of it and, you know, are ready to go back to Frodo. So yeah, did you have anything else? Nope. I guess we're going to hit our hour and it's, it's even, so it's me first. And I don't know. I almost had to, I almost had to stall a little bit because I had certain things, and then I, you know, yeah. thought otherwise. Um, well, I knew we'd spend a lot of time on a mouth of Sauron. I didn't know we'd basically just read it line for line. Well, <laughs> that's true. He, uh, yeah, it carries a lot of power. I, you know, I think I'll, I'll do this. I haven't done it in a while. I think my thought to Rome with is this. We've seen it as a we've seen it as a subplot, and we've commented on it numerous times through book five, and and before that even, and that is Gandalf's relentless dedication to tell exactly the truth in every situation. Mm-hmm. I think we none of us would none of us relate to being like the mouth of Sauron, except. Never are we more at odds with godly virtue and with courage than when we lie. And mm-hmm. we're all tempted. Every man is tempted to lie. We, we're tempted to lie to get ourselves out of a difficult situation or to make something that we did sound bigger and better than it was. It's always about self-aggrandizement. And lies lies look just like the mouth of Sauron here. They... they sap you up and they turn you into a drooling wild beast who's afraid of everything. Because once you've set yourself up with lies, the truth brings that crashing down. And I think Tolkien, I think that's what he's doing. I think that's the subplot is that Gandalf, Gandalf is the spokesman of the Lords of the West. And and that's because Gandalf has over and over again, proven to be the great truth teller in this story. He doesn't, he doesn't sugarcoat it for anybody's feelings. He just lays it on the line. And I'll tell you, I'm just going to call out a guy that does this. That I don't know if he does it in the real – in his. I think he does because he does it in hard situations. There's this guy on the internet named Michael Foster. He wrote It's Good to Be a Man. If you ever – anybody listening, just look him up and look up some of his engagements on social media – this is a guy who has made me recoil several times by his plain spokenness. And that's how I know that my meter is a little bit off is because the guy is not mean, but he is very plain spoken and he doesn't sugar things up and nuance them. He just delivers exactly his thoughts on a matter. And I'm going to tell you, it is powerful stuff. And so a thought to Roma for me would be, man, to be, to be a man that actually makes a difference Right, to be a man that has courage, to be a man that builds things, really need to be more like Gandalf. And, and it, if there's one trait that I would want to be like Gandalf in, I think it would be this one, to not be afraid of men and just to simply tell the truth and to tell it without mm-hmm. sugar. Just to tell, that doesn't mean that we're jerks, but Gandalf's never a jerk here. Gandalf just lays it out there and it's harsh because people aren't used to hearing people talk that way and i think we that's a big part of masculinity that we need to grab back is to talk that way so long thought mm-hmm. to roam with but i th- think it took a little bit of work to get there be like gandalf and tell mm-hmm. the truth and and more particularly i think tell the truth the way gandalf tells the truth and that's mm-hmm. something i definitely need to work on mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that's really really good it's it's tough to find the thought to roam with in a chapter that's largely about the evil guy mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, I, I think what I'm going to pick on is the little section where Aragorn um, gives manful work to the men who are unable to, um, basically who are who are afraid to seek the battle. I'm not going to. I'm not really not going to focus on the afraid, the fear to seek the battle, but but I am going to focus on the assigning 
you know, valuable. What he, what Tolkien writes is manful work. And so I think those people that are influence, like that we influence, the task here is to, is to, is to give people work or, you know, those that, you know, if, if we have employees or, or children to give them work that, um, that builds character, that builds confidence, that gives dignity to them. Cause the whole point in it is like these guys would potentially lose their dignity for abandoning the army mm-hmm. or for not going into battle. And so what Aragorn does is give them a task where they can maintain their dignity where they're put to the task that still helps the kingdom, that still is valuable, you know, to the city, um, to the community, but but maintains their dignity and and restores their status, you know, as as citizens of the realm. Mm. Man, that's good, and I think it's it's always good to to try to not put people back them into corners. Um, mm-hmm. It's always good to give an escape hatch. Well, that is. Uh, I think that's the end of book five. So the next time you hear us, we'll be doing the relaxation thing where we're talking about our opinions. We've got a couple of pretty tough questions that have already been yeah. put in the uh, Facebook deal. If you, you know, I don't, I think it's too late once you're hearing this one, <laughs> but hopefully you put some more in there, but we've, we've got some good ones coming up. Um, so you guys get to look forward to it next week, and we'll be sipping the bourbon and that kind of thing. So uh, join us again next time as we recap what our favorites and least favorite parts and definitely bagging on the movie a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> so join us next time for our book five recap. Until then, take care and keep reading Lord of the Rings.